get an intro. <clears throat> Hello and welcome back in the trenches. We are live from Phoenix, Arizona on the heels of a crazy, chaotic, jam-packed, high-stakes college football week. And it wasn't crazy just in between the white lines. This was also crazy on my own side of things. I flew all the way to Oregon uh, during the week to get a vehicle, uh, took the vehicle all the way back down here to Arizona. It made it 22 hours, which is pretty phenomenal, just to crap out uh, this morning on me when I was going to the grocery store to get some groceries. Uh, going to uh, Walmart. I've recently gone from Safeway to Walmart, but uh, basically it's been a long day, long day of car troubles, which is just never fun, and I'm sure some of you guys know about how that goes, but uh, I basically didn't feel like uh, putting together the usual script today, and this is a little experimental. I've wanted to do an episode a little looser like this, so we're just going to do a mailbag today. So if you're on the TikTok, I see a lot of you guys are on there right now. We're live on YouTube, uh, and so I see people hopping in the chat already on YouTube. I'm going to be answering the questions from the YouTube, and we will see how this goes. It's the first time in In the Trenches history we've done that, and I dropped my trop top 25 today, so it's the perfect time to do that. Uh, and so the first question we've got from Menace2012 in the YouTube chat, why is Penn State below Oregon? So I put out my top 25 today, uh, and we had Oregon at 7, Penn State at 8. Uh, the Ducks coming off of a destructive win over the Colorado Buffaloes, which if you watched the show uh, last Wednesday, you would have known that this was very much foreshadowed by this show, which isn't a big deal. It was a 20-point spread, but the line of scrimmage differential was just so big in that game, it was never going to be close. Uh, and then you've got Penn State, a team that won really impressively, a 31-0 win over Iowa. So I didn't switch those two teams. I've still got Oregon 7, Penn State 8. There's a couple of reasons for that. Um, one of them is I, I really trust the Ducks. And on my preseason, I think I, I leaned a little more in favor of the Ducks versus Penn State. Uh, the other one for Penn State is, yes, they destroyed Iowa. However, that is a deeply, deeply flawed Iowa team. Their offense is just not good, and it's just as bad as it was last season, and it's clearly an issue, and it's clearly something that, you know, Penn State shutting them out, that's obviously a great defensive performance. However, you can only take so much away from such a pathetic offense uh, in Iowa. And also, uh, their game against Illinois is another one I think about. Their offense almost doesn't have that next gear yet. Uh, and I think Oregon's offense has that next gear, given Penn State makes up for that a little bit with their defensive playmakers and defensive stars. However, the Oregon defense is no joke. Uh, that defensive front is pretty nasty, and we saw them do a great job against Colorado. So that's a couple of the reasons that we've got Penn State just below Oregon as we've got more people flying into the TikTok chat. Remember, if you want your questions to be answered, got to be asked in the YouTube chat. Let's move on. We've got uh, Neon, who says, what are your thoughts on Oklahoma this season? So I've gotten a few people asking that throughout the week. There just must be something in the air, people asking about Oklahoma. Uh, so for, for Oklahoma, oh, wait, I can show the questions. Oh, that's pretty cool. So yeah, Neon's asking, what are your thoughts on Oklahoma this season? Uh, and the Sooners are a team that I am still hesitant to trust. And that is because of the way things spiraled last season. However, I did have them ranked preseason. I believe I had them around 18th preseason. Uh, and that's because I really like Brent Venables. And I really saw what he did this offseason, getting a lot of defensive pieces and getting more of the caliber of defender that he wants on the team. Because he's a defensive-minded guy, although you wouldn't have been able to tell that last season. Obviously, any quarterback health this year is better than what it was last year already. Just even the most basic quarterback health. Gabriel was very banged up last season. And they've even got a guy in Jackson Arnold uh, who could be a good emergency option if something happens there. For the Sooners, I need to wait until that Texas game before I uh, am able to form a really solid opinion on them. I've got them ranked. I think they're solid. I see the vision. I'm not going to be uh, trusting and buying in yet. I think there's a chance that this Oklahoma team is still a year off from being a Big 12 title contender. If you, if you made me pick something right now, uh, but we're going to learn a lot from that Texas game. And obviously for the Sooners, I think that win over SMU was underrated. Winning at Cincinnati is underrated. That's the type of game they were losing last year. And that might just say more about how bad that team was last season. So, um, yeah, great question. And for Oklahoma, I think it's definitely something that's still to be seen. And that's the case for a few teams this year. You still have stuff to be seen. So 
We've got next question here by Grant Gunn, who says, opinion on Louisville. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. I've been working on my Louisville pronunciation recently. Uh, friends with Louisville Barstool on Twitter, uh, as I previously mentioned. You know, we've kind of had a bromance going on. But Louisville hops into the top 25 for me this week. And they're a team I've had my eye on. And it's a team that stood out because of Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom, for those of you who don't know if that name sounds familiar, he's the guy that took Purdue to the Big Ten title game last season in a really impressive season. Uh, yes, they lost some games down the stretch and got crushed by LSU in the bowl game, but they lost a lot of their key players uh, to the draft and just to sitting out stuff uh, towards the end of the year. Uh, it was a great team, and so Brom brings all his guys uh, and including Jack Plummer, who he reunited with at Louisville. And uh, it's looked they've looked pretty good so far. They had a rough start against Georgia Tech in one of those early weeks, and they bounced back in the second half of that game and played really well. That's a Georgia Tech team that is looking pretty good after a road win at Wake Forest. But for Louisville, I've really liked what I've seen defensively. I really like what I've seen offensively. The fact that they don't play Florida State and Clemson, which is the key fact, is Louisville can have a dark horse run here. Um, just looking at their schedule, which maybe I should pull it up here. Um, it, it's a team that definitely could just make a run on you. In fact, I've got my preview magazine over here. Maybe I'll use that as a resource because I do have the schedules. There's a, a little camera time for the preview mag. Oh, wow, I flipped right to Louisville. How about that? But, yeah, I mean, they they passed the test versus Georgia Tech. They played Murray State, uh, Indiana, Boston College. So the, the key games is Duke. Duke and Miami are two teams that in games that are looking a little bit more tough right now than they did in the preseason, but that's going to happen with how bad uh, the ACC looked in the offseason. Next question, we've got Hugh. <laughs> I can't say his full name, but let's just call him Hugh Gaming. He says, do you think that Oregon has any chance at the Natty this year? Honestly, if if you phrase the question like that, do you think Oregon has any chance at the Natty this year? I'm going to say yes. And I think the reason I'm saying yes is because there's not an elite team in college football this year. Uh, there could be one by season's end, but as it currently stands, there's no team in college football that has been head and shoulders above the rest. There are some teams that are just eeping above the rest, but I don't think there's any one team that you can argue is just dominating everyone and looks like a force. Georgia, at least thus far, hasn't looked like they're at the same level they were last year and maybe even the year before that. Um, definitely the year before that, because I think that team was a little better than last year's team, but for the Ducks, they have the line of scrimmage talent to hang with anyone in that top 10 right now. And you look at the type of hype of win that this Oregon program has been able to get. They've been able to get some really good wins recently, and they have a similar talent pool. Obviously, it's with Dan Lanning. This is year two. But you look back to just what this program, the type of wins they were able to get recently that went over Ohio State is one that really stands out. And they were a game away from winning the national title back in 2014. If you just want to look at it from a broad picture, big picture program standpoint, I think the Ducks have been good enough to win a title multiple times. And I think this year is one of those years with the veteran quarterback, with the playmakers that they're always going to have on the Ducks. And then with an offensive line that can protect the quarterback and with a defensive line that can absolutely take over and wreck a game. So I really think that uh, the Ducks do have a chance at the Natty. If you're going to ask a question like that, do they have any chance at the Natty? Yes, I would say so. Uh, we've got a very similar question. Let's just follow up with the Tyson Arnoldi says, do you think Florida State can win the Natty? I think I've been swayed on Florida State. I think they can win the Natty. If you asked me right now, okay, is Florida State going to the Natty? Are they winning the Natty? My answer would be no right now. And the reason my answer would be no is because of Florida State's I wouldn't call it inconsistency, but I would call it their struggles on the road because thus far we've seen them struggle uh, in a few of those road games this year against Clemson and against Boston College. And so it's just not very inspiring seeing those types of struggles. Obviously, I think it's really impressive that they were able to win that game at Clemson despite their struggles. But for Boston College, it was like they came out flat, they reinflated themselves, then they took a deep breath and let Boston College get back into it. So that's really discouraging. I think that we could see Florida State drop a weird game uh, in, in conference play. So that's that's a team that I think they can win the Natty. And like I said, I think there's a lot more teams that can win the Natty this season. Florida State's a team that preseason, I didn't say, could win the Natty. They weren't on my list of, I believe it was 10 teams that can win the national championship this year, but I think it's safe to put them uh, back on the list. So let's get to the next one here. We've got Gage Bentley, who says, 
What is your projection for BYU in the Big 12? Uh, for the Cougars, they're a team that I was not too high on in the offseason. The big stat I kept going back to is the fact that last season they played five Power 5 teams, and this year they played 10. And last season they only won eight games. So doubling the amount of Power 5 opponents you play is a big leap for BYU, who hasn't been forced to consistently do that. They kind of pick and choose when they would play uh, tough opponents because they were independent. And I don't know, man. I, I think I believe in the BYU bowl game at this point, but I don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to push top 25. I don't know if they're going to be able to push seven, eight wins. And that's just because you, you look at what happened against a team like Kansas. Honestly, BYU has been a tough team to read. If I'm being perfectly honest, preseason, I said five and seven, and I said that there's inconsistency. They need some line of scrimmage talent depth. Slovis, I think lowers their ceiling a little bit as opposed to what they had last season with Hall. Um, and then the Arkansas game just absolutely flipped all of that in its head. That was a really emphatic win on the road. So BYU flashed their potential there. And I, I honestly think that type of a win is one that they've gotten in the past when they haven't had to play that full power five schedule. So I think as injuries start to line up and depth starts to get tested for BYU, we might see a little bit more inconsistency from them down the stretch. And that's just because they don't have a roster ready to compete quite at the big 12 level yet, in my opinion. So We'll get to the next one from Jack Makes Money 22 who says, Will Kansas State be undefeated in conference play by the Texas game? So I believe the Texas game is a little bit later in the season. I'm going to refer to the old preview mag here so I can make sure we're being as accurate as possible. Uh, shout out to everyone in the live chat. Appreciate you guys hopping in. This is a mailbag episode. We got Kansas State here. So they are with one loss. They are now Three and one, I believe, with wins over Central Florida, Troy, Southeast Missouri. We've got Central Florida at Oklahoma State at Texas Tech, TCU, Houston before Texas. Now, they they did just beat Central Florida. I, I think I already mentioned that. So really, you've got at Oklahoma State at Texas Tech, TCU, Houston. I honestly think Houston is the worst team in the Big Twelve. Uh, Kansas State will plow over them. Um, when you're looking at those Texas Tech and Oklahoma State road games, those are very suspect. I think Kansas State is good enough to win all those games and be one loss by the time of that Texas game. But if I was choosing no losses or one loss, I would maybe lean 51% towards one loss just because of the nature of the Big 12. And Kansas State was a really good team last year in Big 12 play, and they still dropped one or two in there. Uh, and so I, I do still think Kansas State is my pick to go to the Big 12 title game to play Texas, but I don't know if I can go as far as to say they'll be they'll win every game by the Texas game. That's just tough because that I think Texas Tech, Reckham Tech, uh, that's a team that's in desperation mode. Oklahoma State, that's going to be a team in desperation mode. TCU even, sneaky. They've showed flashes. They would love nothing more than a knockoff Kansas State on the road. So uh, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to flip. I'm going to go. Yes, actually. Why not? Why not? Trust, trust DJ Giddens. Trust that team. Uh, I know that was a little inconsistent, but next one we've got from menace 2012. Again, he said thoughts on Penn state versus Ohio state coming up. It's going to be a big one. We're going to learn a lot more about both of these teams. Ohio state showed their edge defensively against Notre Dame. Penn State showed their edge defensively against Iowa. So both these teams, I think, have phenomenal defenses. And it's going to be about, I've mentioned this a few times already, who can find that next gear in the offense. I know, I actually don't know. You don't know with either of these two teams, and I think that's what's fun. You base it off of previous examples. Penn State, historically, under James Franklin, has struggled to find that next gear sometimes. Ohio State has had it every year, and that's because of C.J. Stroud and Dwayne Haskins and and JT Barrett and all those guys that are rolling through, they had that second gear in their offense. I don't know if they have that second gear this year. And uh, I think to me, that's the difference between an elite team and a great team. And that's why I think there's no elite team this year right now. And that's because both these teams would be elite if they found that next gear where even when things aren't going their way, they're you know having weird fumbles and weird bounces of balls. They're still dropping 40 on you. Um, instead, with both these teams, they've had elite defenses and then just all right offensive play and done enough to win their game. So I think that one's going to be a great game. I can't remember. I believe that one's in the shoe, correct? Let's get to the next question here in the YouTube chat. We've got Parker Quinn who says, give me one reason Kansas should be better than Mizzou. So I believe this is a shout out to Kansas being ranked above Missouri in the top 25. So shout out to Parker for the question. Um, Kansas is a team that 
in the off season, I was banging the drum that this team was going to win eight games this year. And no one wants to listen to that. A lot of the drive-by casual fans, Kansas, Kansas, they're not winning eight. That's Kansas you're talking about. And uh, they, they don't know what Lance Leipold is building. And he's been building Kansas in such a linear upward direction. And they're still undefeated. And they've looked really impressive. And I think if you wanted to talk simply resume, blind resume, you'd probably take Missouri's over Kansas right now for that win over Kansas State because Kansas's best wins over Illinois and BYU, not quite to that same caliber. So I totally understand, Parker, where your objection might be to that. But uh, in, in that context, I, I think that Kansas is a team that I trusted more from this offseason. Missouri still has some inconsistencies that I think could be remedied and uh, – Close game versus Memphis this last weekend, but obviously Kansas had a close game of their own against Nevada this season. So they both have had moments where they've, they've lagged a little bit, but I really trust the, the how great this Kansas offense is, and they added some really good defenders at key positions in this offseason. So for the Jayhawks, I'm rocking uh, rock chalk, baby. I, I really like them this season, and I, I think my decision to put them above Missouri, I'm going to stand by that. Let's move by here. Okay, so we got T-Rex who says, why do you have Washington so low and why do you have North Carolina so low? And I know this is going to be a big question for a lot of the people that are looking at the top 25. Shout out to everyone that's in the TikTok live chat. I'm fielding questions from the YouTube chat. We're live on YouTube right now. It's linked in the bio if you wanted to hop in and ask a question like T-Rex here. Uh, so he says, why do you have Washington and North Carolina so low? So this is in comparison to the AP poll, I'll assume, because that's the first thing naturally people will compare it to is the AP poll, which I totally understand. It, it's the resource you have at your disposal to compare it to. And for Washington, there I just made a five-minute video. It's the longest video I've ever made on my TikTok account uh, talking about the Washington Huskies and what I don't like about the Washington Huskies. For me, there's some inconsistencies on the defense uh, there's inconsistency in the secondary specifically. Uh, obviously, the offense is phenomenal. They have an elite offense. Uh, but there's just other teams in the Pac-12 that I trust more on a day-to-day, game-to-game basis, and obviously head-to-head as well. I think last season, what most people saw as a dominant 11-win season, I look at and I say, hmm, they only beat three teams that finished with a winning record. Uh, one of them was an Oregon team that they both the Oregon schools, honestly, they won by a field goal in both of those. There was questionable play calling, and I think both those schools got better this season versus Washington, who I think just is essentially the same team, which isn't a diss on them by any means. So it's so funny. This One of the main pushbacks I've gotten from that line of thinking is you can't be using last year's Washington team to form an opinion. And I go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, time out. What are you using to form your opinion that Washington's a top 10 team right now? Uh, 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 yeah, because they have four wins versus four garbage teams. Their best win is against a two and two Cal that lost to Auburn, who's not very great this year either. So, if you're bugging me for using last year as a basis for the ranking, then you can't use last year as a basis for a top 10 ranking either. I feel like that's only fair. And using that analogy, you start to realize, well, that's stupid. And I agree, that is stupid. We should be able to base last year's stuff to judge this year, but I don't hate Washington. Uh, to dispel that myth. I, I do not hate the Huskies and my rankings are a reflection of my analysis. It's never a reflection of my personal feelings. If it was, I would have the Texas Longhorns at number one. Texas Tech would obviously still be in my top 25. That would get a lot more clicks too. So that would be pretty fun. But um, that's why I have Washington so low. We'll touch on North Carolina in a second. I want to be able to get to more of these questions. Um, we've got Luke Schroeder who asked, does Maryland have a chance to upset Ohio State in two weeks? So not a lot of people know this, but on my TikTok, I have a bunch of playlists um, linked under, under. I guess people know, but I feel like not a lot of people go look at those. Um, one of the playlists is 2023 predictions. And I have a 2023 prediction on Maryland that I watched the other day just to refresh. Uh, and it's really good. It's really informative. You should go check it out. I am really high on Maryland this season. Mike Loxley has been improving this team in a linear direction ever since he got there. Um, I think the rebuild got delayed a little bit because in year two, a pivotal year, the rebuild, it was COVID year. Uh, he's lost some coordinators. There's been some bad coordinator luck, but he's still improved this team steadily. He has a quarterback. They plug some keyholes in the defense. They improve the offensive line. I think Maryland has a chance at an upset. I'm not going to say specifically over Ohio State, but I'm going to say they have a chance at upsetting one of the big three this year. I think they're an excellent team, and I think they're a big-time sleeper in the Big Ten that not a lot of people are talking about. I've got them all the way up at 16th in my 
my rankings, which may just be more of a result of them starting in the rankings and shifting up a little bit because other teams around them have lost. But such is the nature of rankings. Rankings in college football are a little stupid sometimes, and that's just how it goes. Um, we've got Menace2012 asking thoughts on Florida State Clemson. So we haven't really done many game recaps uh, on the show so far, and this is kind of like a game recap. So Clemson comes out firing, and, and they look really good, and they battle with Florida State, and they clearly have the talent to match, and they just come up short. And honestly, Clemson fumbled that game away. They should have won, and there was a lot of weird critical errors and the play calling from Garrett Riley is very questionable. Clemson simply does not have a red zone offense this year. And it's so abundantly clear that whenever they get inside the 20, the coordinators are panicking and they're trying to drop plays. And you saw the urgency on the sidelines from Clemson. You saw the urgency from Dabo Swinney trying to get the Tigers to manufacture some offense, score some points and take advantage of the opportunities given to them. And they just couldn't. And this team is just such a far cry from what I thought we would get from them this year. Clearly not a national title caliber team, probably not even an ACC title caliber team with what we've seen in their 0-2 in conference play. It's going to be a long uphill battle. But for Florida State, I think that was an impressive victory, way more impressive and way more encouraging than the Boston College game. And uh, the fact that they were able to eat out another one of these road games, just survive in advance, baby. That's your message to Florida State. <clears throat> Okay, here we go. Vortex has got a question. They say, what would USC, Texas, or Georgia have to do to claim number one in your eyes? So I thought about making a video about why Ohio State was number one because I got a surprising amount of pushback for putting the Buckeyes up there uh, when it first dropped. Then the pushback started to shift to Washington, which is why I settled on the Washington video. So I, I think that right now Ohio State is the number one team in the country because the Buckeyes are winning with their defense. And I trust the offense to come around. And so that's why they are ranked number one. I've had them all the way up there at number two for several weeks. People questioning, oh, they look horrible. They're about to get thrashed by Notre Dame. They beat Notre Dame. And now people are saying, oh, but they almost lost to Notre Dame. And so you, you can just never win sometimes. But uh, to answer your question, uh, I think USC, in order to be ranked number one, to claim that top spot, they would have to have a defensively emphatic win where the offense looks good and the defense does something phenomenal. Like they hold Washington to 10 points or they hold Oregon to 13 points or something like that. They, they get pressure on the quarterback. Their secondary holds strong, something along those lines to show they're not just one dimensional or the offense just drops like 80 points every game. And it doesn't matter the other team scoring 35. I guess that's the other scenario for Texas. Just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, they look so good, man, and they just got to keep being consistent and keep winning games. Texas could easily earn their way up near there. I don't know if I would ever put Texas above Ohio State as the number one team just because of the talent on that roster compared to Ohio State. Ohio State still has superior talent. For Georgia, they just got to keep winning, and it doesn't matter if they do it ugly because they've proven they're a team that can be trusted. If they keep winning and they keep winning these games, these trap games, there's one at Auburn this week, Eventually, they're probably just going to flip-flop back to number one just because Georgia has proven they have championship DNA and you cannot be denying results if this is a team that just keeps winning. So let's keep moving forward. Um, trying to find a good one. Somebody I haven't answered already. We've got Michael J who says, okay, right now, what is your prediction for the playoff? After seeing a couple weeks, who would be your bet to make the four-team college football playoff? Okay, so this is a good question, Michael. My four-team playoff, if I had to make it today, would I would have Ohio State from the Big Ten. I would have them in at my playoff. I just think that this defense is really legit for the Buckeyes, and I think it could get them into the playoffs, and I really trust them. I would also have Texas in the playoffs. I am in love with Texas football, and I regret not ranking them higher than I have them right now. Um, at the beginning of the season, I think I ended up ranking them ninth and I should have ranked them higher. I was close. I flirted with it, but that's also a little bit more bias on my end. I feel like I like Texas and, um, I had to battle those demons to rank them a little lower, uh, for the longhorns. I, I just think that the big 12 slate is winnable enough that they're going to win out and they are going to make the college football playoff. My other team would be USC. I think USC is the best pac 12 team. Their offense is phenomenal. I'm aware they were a little shaky at ASU. I'm not going to read too much into that. I think that's it's just going to happen. It's just going to happen a couple times in conference play, and you got to find a way to get out with a win, and USC did just that. My fourth team is the one where I've been getting conflicted recently. Um, I think for now I'm going to go with Georgia. I'm going to go with the SEC team and say Georgia gets in. The SEC, man, they are 
like one chaotic week away from genuinely being faced with not getting a team in the playoff. And I think that would be hilarious. I'm going to stay with Georgia for now, just because respect to the dogs and they haven't shown anything to make me doubt them necessarily. But for the SEC, man, Bama and LSU already have a loss. And if one of those two teams gets another loss, you're looking at, whoa. And if Georgia loses to Auburn or if Georgia loses a game here, you're suddenly getting into territory if the SEC might not get a team in. But I think they'd put a two-loss SEC team in just to get one in. But that's just my conspiracy theory. <clears throat> um, let's keep moving forward. We'll try to get through some of these. Oh, I just refreshed. Well, we've got a lot of questions in here. All right, let's go with Owen Stacy, who says West Virginia should be in the playoffs. Uh, my answer to that would be no, but let's talk about West Virginia. Shout out to Neil Brown. Shout out to the way he's been coaching and the way this team's been playing for him. Nico Martial or Marichal. I'm not sure if I, I definitely butchered that, but he's, he's looked decent, uh, in, in at quarterback and it's unfortunate that green went down, but, um, West Virginia is three and one. I did not see that coming. What an impressive start of the season. The win over Pitt was really emphatic. The win over tech at home, squeezing that one out. You were a six point underdog to, uh, he's coaching like a guy whose job's on the line. And if they continue to win games, uh, his job will not be on the line anymore. This new athletic director gave him a chance. And so far, it's seeming to pay off. And so this could be a lesson to some of these programs out there. Hey, maybe you just got to give your coach another chance, except for if you're a Texas A&M fan. Don't listen to that. All right. Let's go to Utah Utes 22 says, who's winning Utah or Oregon State? I don't want to quite spoil the prediction. And to be honest, I don't know who I'm picking in that game yet. Got to do my full breakdown and analysis of the game. Oregon State obviously is a tough, tough team to win at home. I'm surprised they're scheduled uh, to beat at home. Is that what I should have said? But I'm surprised that they're favored in that game by like two and a half. But the prediction for that game will come in the Wednesday show. I'll post it on social media on Thursday, which is usually how we do it. We've got an all caps Jameson ring who says, will Boston college be back? I can't keep watching such a trash team. And there's even a question mark as if he's questioning everything, which uh, is pretty funny. And I think about sums up the way Boston college fans are feeling right now. So for Boston college, it's a sad reality. And, and you've seen me doing some victory laps on Boston college fans and strutting on them. And that's some low hanging fruit. I apologize. Uh, if you had to witness that it was a little ugly, but Boston college fans came at me pretty hard in the off season after I said it was a team that was not going to break out, had them going three and nine. I told them, yeah, you might lose like at least two of those non-conference games, maybe even three of them. And they didn't want to hear it. And they were talking about how they were going to make a bowl game and their schedule was weak enough. And Halfley was going to get the boys back together. And it just hasn't been there, man. The only bright spot for Boston College has been the boost that Castellanos has given them since he took over from Moorhead. The life they showed against Florida State was promising, but I think that had just a little bit more to do with a Florida State team that was looking ahead or let out a deep breath or or anything like that. They just looked really poor. And in their one game they won, they looked bad against Holy Cross. And for Boston College, it's just been a somber, somber season. I wouldn't get any excited about anything this year, Jameson. I think uh, I would get excited about the prospect of Halfley getting fired, and maybe you can get a good interim coach in there to look look decent. But as far as coaching options in the ACC, especially with how unstable the conference is, it's going to be slim pickings. So um, got to make a good choice there. And it's unfortunate that Halfley didn't work out, but I had a feeling it wouldn't this year. Let's get down to the bottom opinion on cues from Chris Colsey. He asked for an opinion on Syracuse. Syracuse for back-to-back seasons now has been a really hard team to form an opinion on. Um, they're undefeated. They've won some games, uh, some decent games. Army is a solid win. They crushed Western Michigan. I believe they crushed Ball State was another team. They beat Purdue on the road. So they own Purdue basically now. Uh, they look good. Garrett Schrader looks like a baller again. And uh, Babers has done a great job at silencing some, some, albeit quiet, job security rumors from this offseason. Uh, they, they've still, I mean, they're undefeated. And, and I honestly was theorizing that they could be undefeated by the time they got to this game versus Clemson. It's going to be a big one. Um, and it, it's more so a chance for Syracuse to just bury Clemson and establish themselves as a legit ACC title contender. If you lose this game to Clemson this week, 
Uh, it's just a mirage again. You're going to probably finish with seven wins, eight wins, something, nothing crazy. You're not winning any ACC titles this year. You're not having a Cinderella run. So it's all going to come down to that Clemson game, I think, to learn just how serious the Syracuse team is to be taken. With any team like that, that I was like a little lower on, and I honestly expected to start out you know, undefeated, I try not to get too drunk off the early success because it's really easy to do that. Then you let all your predictions get away from yourself, and you're just saying things you don't actually believe. So got to make sure you stay composed, and that's what I'm doing with Syracuse right now. So here we go. We've got it's Elliot saying I'm an Ohio state fan, but why Michigan number five? First thing, Elliot, this is one of the things that drives me the most insane about making content is people will comment, you know, fill in the blank, but I'm an Ohio state fan or I'm an Ohio state fan, but fill in the blank. And it's just like your fandom should not have any impact on what your statement means. If that makes sense. I don't preface everything with, Ah, uh, you know, Texas is should be top three, and I'm a Texas Tech fan. I don't preface that because your personal bias and your personal, you know, beliefs should not factor into how you rank a team. Um, it's the same camp that says, "Oh, you hate Washington, you hate North Carolina." I don't hate those teams. I just might not be on as high on them as as uh, everybody else is. So, um, you know, it's a it's a thing. Michigan's at five just because they haven't shown me anything. They played four trash teams and. I've liked USC's offense. I've liked Ohio State's defense. I've liked Texas's quality win. And I've liked um, Georgia just from winning the national title last year. So that answers that real quickly. We've got the defective meme who says, hey, Budge, just dropping in, member of the ASU marching band. And I remember hearing you were at the game last weekend. What are your thoughts on how ASU played against USC? So, yes, the rumors are true. I was at the Arizona State game last weekend from Arizona, currently in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, that was an entertaining game, much more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Uh, my thoughts on how ASU played against USC, what I was looking for in that game had nothing to do with the actual personnel on Arizona state. It had more to do with the coaching and Kenny Dillingham because Dillingham took over play calling roles. Um, the play calling role on uh, duties, I, I guess I should say is an easier way to say that play calling duties on the offensive side of the ball and uh, Brian Ward calling the defense. I wanted to keep an eye on that. And honestly, the way Brian Ward was able to dial up pressure and disguise the holes in the secondary, really promising, and honestly had accents of what he did at Washington State. Very, very promising. On the offensive side of things, we had Drew Pine at quarterback. He is not a good quarterback. However, what you witnessed was an entirely new-looking offense that was able to just completely manufacture and fabricate offense out of complete thin air. And it was really impressive to watch in person. Drew Pine, it was very abundantly clear if you were at the game, and if you thought, well, why does Pine look so weird? Why does he keep taking sacks like this? It's because Kenny Dillingham was in his ear literally saying, throw it to this guy. This guy will be open. And Pine would snap the ball, turn, and throw it to the exact guy. There was no reads. There was no time to process. Nothing. He was just literally telling Pine exactly who to throw to and when to throw to them. And that's the reason he was taking those sacks. If it wasn't open, he would just take the sack. That might have even been by in, instructions from Dillingham. If it's not there, take the sack or take off and run with it. So um, it was really a phenomenal, I think, coaching job by Dillingham and the staff. And I think a really good bounce back game from the Fresno State game, even though they ended up losing, they did a great job of, of keeping it close and keeping it entertaining. So Drew Hansen says, I'm a Washington fan and I think your Washington rating is fair. Oregon game will decide our season. Well, Drew, I appreciate you for um, agreeing that it's fair. We don't have to agree and that's fine. You can disagree um, with my take, although it sounds like you agree with it. Um if you disagree with my take, you're welcome to explain why you believe Washington's going to be good this year. Um, I've explained the reasons why I don't think Washington's as good as other people think. I still think they're a great team. And so, um, yeah, in the context of the Washington Huskies, as long as you can back up your take with a take and not just say, oh, you're just a hater. Oh, and that's just the way people try to boil it down so it can be simplified and they can understand it without actually hearing an explanation because then it might actually make sense to them. So. Let's see. Let's see. Getting some more questions here. Got to stay hydrated. We are going to find another question here to throw up here. We've got Michael J again. He says, any chance that two Pac-12 teams make the college football playoff? Uh, Oregon, he lists Oregon, USC, Washington, Utah, and hey, 
even Wazoo does the Pac-12 make with, uh, end with a bang. I think that two Pac-12 teams making the playoff is a little bit of a stretch, and that's because of that ninth conference game. There's just too many teams playing each other. I think the scenario that seems most likely would be if we had a USC-Oregon thing going, and then Oregon beats USC when they play toward the end of the season, and then USC beats Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. I'm trying to think if there's a team that has like a better signature win that we could balance in there, because that's honestly what you look for is the team with a good non-conference win that can, you know, sort of hinge their season um, and get them there. Cause Utah doesn't have, or Utah, I guess would be the, maybe you need a good season from Florida. Utah wins out. You get maybe a Utah, Oregon, PAC 12 championship, something along those lines. I think there's a chance, but I think the chances are really slim. This conference is going to start to beat themselves up as they play each other, as you've already seen. I mean, I think there's a chance Oregon state just lost right to Washington state on the road. Now I think there's a chance Utah marches in and loses to Oregon state. And I, I think there's other wildcard teams like Arizona that, and I wouldn't say Cal anymore, but Arizona is a team that I think could sneakily pick some teams off. Washington state wasn't considered a threat a few weeks ago. All of a sudden they're right there. So I think in the PAC 12, there's just always that issue and they always cannibalize themselves. So I'm going to say, no, we're not going to get two PAC 12 teams in the playoff. Next one we've got from Matthew Draper who says, will Missouri have a chance versus LSU in two weeks? So I need to double check. If this game is in Missouri or in LSU, because I do think that plays a bit of a factor here. Let me get it pulled up real quick. I think it's right here. The game is in Missouri. Okay, so that's going to be a big one. Uh, I I think that the, the exact question was, do they have a chance? The answer is yes, because this Missouri team has unlocked their offense. They have unlocked their offense. Brady Cook is he's absolutely locked down the job. I thought it was impressive that he beat out Jake Garcia for that job this offseason and Luther Burden is a genuine superstar on offense and they've been protecting the quarterback and defensively they have not lost their edge that they had last season. So I really think that uh they do have a chance in that game, but I would honestly still lean LSU. I love the way Kelly's had his boys responding to um that loss to Florida State back-to-back years where he has a team just respond really, really well. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I really trust that LSU team, and I think while Missouri has a chance, I would definitely lean LSU for now at least, and, and maybe in the future. We'll see if that changes as we get a little bit more of a sample size. Oh, boy, we got Blue Stitches too, who says, what does Jimbo Fisher have to do to keep his job at Texas A&M? This one is the question. It is the question in College Station. It is the question if you're an Aggies fan. What does Jimbo have to do to keep his job? Might not be phrased like that for a lot of AM fans because most AM fans, I don't think, want Jimbo to keep his job. So they're asking, what do we have to do to get him fired at this point? Uh, but they got a really nice win over Auburn. I think what they have to do uh, and what Jimbo has to do to keep his job at AM is. I think that this offense has to continue to come along. Uh, Wegman might be out for a little bit. Uh, I believe, I don't know if they've gotten the diagnosis back on that, that ankle, but uh, it's going to be Max Johnson. If they can continue to manufacture enough offense and win some games in the SEC, I think you got to beat, you got to beat somebody really good in there, man. You got to beat either LSU or Alabama or Tennessee, or maybe one of those two of those, um, because I think you've got to win nine games this year to be like comfortable eight games. I don't know if that's going to be enough. Seven games, definitely not enough. Six games. No five games. Nightmare. You just, if you're a and you've got to win five conference games now is what the deal is. Basically the task at hand. Um, and, and eight and four, man, it just feels like that's what a and fans and a and boosters hated before and the five win season last year only like further lowered the bar so getting eight wins this year would be like oh yay celebrate but then you'd realize wait a minute isn't this what we were combating in the first place at AM? so it's really tough man i don't know i think maybe eight wins keeps his job this year but for jimbo it's just tough he might he might win nine games but it still looks bad enough they just decide to can him but we will see that's an expensive firing for sure why is Utah ranked below Oregon and USC asks kills. And uh, honestly, it boils down just to the fact that they've looked a little bit sloppier just because they haven't had rising. 
And um, I know you might justify that and say, oh, well, then if they get Rising, they'll be ranked better than them, or they should be because Rising will be back. But Rising hasn't been back, man, in a while. It's based, He's out. We're heading to week five, and Cam Rising still hasn't played a snap. So going forward, you almost have to operate as if Nate Johnson is the quarterback for this team and Bryson Barnes um, and company. Uh, but they're a complete team, and they've showed it, and they've still been squeaking out wins even without – um, great quarterback play. So shout out to the Utes for the wins they've gotten so far. And I, I think that they deserve, uh, you know, their top 10 spot that they've gotten the AP. I've got them at 11, but I think you could argue top 10 easily. Boom, 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 boom. All right. We've got another all caps one. Oh boy. I need some water for this one. We've got Griffin Hegwer who says, what did Ohio state do to make you rank them? Number one over Georgia. To me, it's absolutely mind-blowing how multiple people can watch the same game and have such a different takeaway um, from the game. It's crazy to me how how insane that is. And people, people have these reactions. I'm seeing people telling me that Ohio State's trash and they're vulnerable and they should drop for this performance. And the way I look at it, Ohio State just marched on the road versus a top 10 team. Their offense sputtered. They scored 17 points and they won the game. That is a big deal because they won the game. If Ohio State scored 17 points and lost this game 42 to 17, it would be a completely different conversation. But there's two sides to the football game. And Ohio State's defense played like an elite national championship caliber defense. If you can get a defense that plays at that level and shuts down that high powered of an offense with Sam Hartman and Notre Dame that significantly for four quarters, um, that is something I really put a lot of stock in. Is Ohio State a perfect team? No. Has the offense looked good so far? Not really. It's looked downright sloppy. Do I think the offense is going to bring it around and come around as the season goes on absolutely i think mccord grows every week his weapons are always going to be there and uh, i just really think the defense showed it is championship caliber this last week and i put a lot of stock in that and a win is a win baby especially on the road versus the top 10 team you take the win that you can get so shout out to everyone that's in the youtube live we've also got some guys in the tiktok live right now so remember uh, if you're in the TikTok live and you want uh, any of your questions to get answered, hop on over to the YouTube live. That's where we're doing the mailbag. Uh, we're at about minute 44. We've we've been cruising a line. It has not felt like that long, but but uh, here we are. We've got Loudon who says, I actually kind of like Arizona over Washington this weekend with Noah Fafita at quarterback. So that's actually interesting. Is Jaden Delora out? Let me see. Yeah, I don't know. How did he, how did Fafita look? I, I didn't really watch none of that game. I saw that there was an injury to Delora, but I'm not sure how long he's going to be out there. Let's see. Looks like no one's helped me out in the chat. But now seems like a great time to announce where the Last Dance Tour is headed in Week 5. Uh, last week, we were at the Arizona State-USC game, which was a surprisingly entertaining matchup uh this week we will be in the state of arizona again however this time we will be in tucson for a top 10 team according to most the washington huskies traveling to play the arizona wildcats we're getting a little bit bigger here as far as the scope and scale of the game this is a game that i think could fly a little bit under the radar for some people but a little spoiler on one of the videos later it's going to be ranked seventh on the top 10 best games of week five and i truly believe that i think that this is an arizona team that has a much improved defense and we're going to learn this season just how improved that defense is against a high powered offense in washington and washington's defense will be tested as well but if fafita is starting and not delora that could get interesting um not a ton of scouting report on him so so either way i think that's intriguing uh for for the huskies so that's going to be a really good game and i'm excited to be there uh if you're in tucson and you see me don't hesitate to say hi. I love talking with fans. Ran into one at the Arizona State game the other day. Uh, his name was Matthew. Shout out, Matthew. Cool guy. Uh, and uh, that was that was very fun. So let's go to another one. Uh, Rage Derek 
uh, I don't even know how to pronounce that name, to be honest. Sorry. He said, is Louisville anywhere near your top 25 radar? They're number 25 in my top 25 that dropped today. So they are 100% been on the radar. I threw them in there because, hey, guess what? They've got the schedule dynamics. They're a team I liked in the preseason anyways, and they've won their games. They've looked solid. So I really trust Louisville. But I talked about them a little earlier. So let's get to this one from Griffin, who says, where do you think Deion Sanders in Colorado will finish this season? This is crazy because Deion Sanders and Colorado uh, are a team that I have not shifted my opinion on at all from the preseason, and it looks startlingly accurate. I said they were going to be the 55th best team in the country. I said they're going to win six or seven games. They're going to be in the same tier as Arizona and, like, I guess, Washington State, UCLA, that kind of tier. Washington State obviously looks a little better, which is why I hesitate because they're not necessarily in that tier anymore. But uh, a similar tier to teams like Arizona and UCLA that have taken like four to five years to rebuild. I think Colorado is going to be in that tier. And if they win either of those two games, that's going to show you where they are as a program. I think they can still make a bowl game. I think they will make a bowl game. They could pull off an upset uh, along the line, but I wouldn't count on more than one of those against those top top half of the conference. So I think they'll lose a couple more. They'll lose to probably USC. They'll probably lose to Oregon and Oregon State. Um I, I can't remember if they play who else they quite play. They play a road game in Pullman, which is tough too, but I think they're going to be able to beat Stanford and they should be able to beat uh, if, if they play that they play Arizona state should be able to beat ASU. Um, There's still a decent team. They're several years ahead of schedule. Uh, no other coach in the country could do what Dion has done in year one at Colorado. So, okay. We got Loudon who gives us a little clarity he says high ankle sprain might be out a few weeks. Fafita is far a whoa. Now we got a hot take. Fafita is far and away better than Jaden Delora. Offensive line has been insane. Pass protection. Noah is so much more composed. I gotta go rewatch the film on the Arizona game. I didn't get to watch the second half, but I appreciate the insight. I'll uh I'll go check that out and let you guys know if I think that's a, a change. But more coverage on that game because that will be the game I'm attending uh this year. We've got Connolly Mills who says, do you think Texas Tech will make a bowl? Sad times in Lubbock, Texas. This team is really good, and they have three losses already, and this is what happens when your roster talent is not up to a certain caliber yet. Injuries have hit in an untimely time for the Red Raiders. I think that they can still recover this and make a bowl game, but if you made me pick right now, I'd say no. I don't think Morton puts them in a position to succeed right now in his career, and I really think that We've just seen them struggle, and with no shuck, that ruins a lot of the dynamic abilities this offense had. They'll still win some Big 12 games. They're going to beat some teams down the stretch here. I think like 5-7 and seven is probably most realistic, unfortunately. Um, Do you think Brian Ferentz will get to his 25-point-per-game average? Well, I believe he was on pace going into this last week. He's got to be way behind now. Uh, it is it is not looking good. That shutout is exactly what he didn't need against Penn State. I think that he's going to be, um, I don't know, man. He, he's not going to get the money, but I don't know if he'll get fired, and that's what you should root for if you're an Iowa fan. Kinsley asks, what do you think about Tyler Shuck? I thought he was a beast. I th- he, he absolutely made the offense so much more dynamic for Texas Tech. I know some people didn't like it because he was a little turnover prone, but if you're talking about winning right now this year, he put Tech in the best position to do so, and we saw that against the Oregon Ducks, a game which I was at. That's where I bought this hat. Will Rutgers be ranked at the end of the season after the game versus Michigan, says Derek Smyers. I don't think Rutgers will be ranked at the end of the season. I think Rutgers could make a bowl game, and that's what I would root for if you're a Rutgers fan is making a bowl game, getting some wins in those key swing games against Indiana and Michigan State. Um, it's a team that is – slightly better than last year maybe you could argue but they started 3-0 last year too so it could just all be a mirage uh, which is what it looks like it may be oh. we've got jonah gross who says is liberty close to the top 25 uh liberty admittedly is not close to the top 25 and where they're undefeated they don't really have an insane win thus far this season and i don't know if there's one available they might have to go undefeated and be like 10 and 0 late in the season or something to be considered for a ranking, to be honest. Um, they're not a team I've considered for my top 25. They're rising up in the group of five top 25. I believe they are 12th, maybe 13th this week. Uh, Going to be uploading that tomorrow. So that's a light spoiler. Um, let's move forward. Do, 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 do. Here we go. This is a goodie. Robert Flass says, do you think Washington State could beat Washington? 
thoughts on Washington State in general. Robert, are you trying to start a war in the chat? If I say one more negative thing about Washington, we're going to have an absolute world war. But no, I would still lean Washington over Washington State when those two play. Um, I just think Washington's line of scrimmage talent very much still clears. And uh, Wazoo just almost feels like Washington light. Like their offense is really good. They've got a dynamic quarterback, but it just is like Washington's just kind of a step ahead in their rebuild. Um, so I think it would be a competitive game, could be more competitive than it was last year, but I'm still leaning Washington, especially because that game's going to be in Seattle this season. We've got the ACC coming in. Banky Hurricane, Bank, it is Banky Hurricane, who says Miami versus Clemson prediction. Well, Clemson's not looking too hot, but that'll be a really competitive game. I'm curious to see how Miami responds down the stretch here. They've got big games versus Louisville and Clemson in conference play. Um, I'm, I'm just really intrigued by Miami. Can Miami actually make the ACC title game this year? There's a lot of it. Like, is it going to be Duke? Is it going to be Louisville? Is it going to be Miami? That tests Florida State. What if Florida State's road struggles continue and Florida State and Clemson both aren't in the ACC title game. Has anyone stopped to think about that yet? I think that's kind of a ways away and you have to go a few progressions to think about that, but that would be pretty crazy in its own right. We've got Justin Ty who says thoughts on Utah. So the Utes are a team that I really love what I've seen so far. Some people look at these sloppy victories and say, oh, they try to discredit you. Those people don't watch college football and they expose themselves as doing so when they look at a sloppy, ugly win and try to discredit you for it. Um, a win is a win in college football, especially when you do it on the road, like their game against Baylor at home, they get another win, especially we can, when you can do it without a quarterback, which Utah hasn't really had. They've had Nate Johnson, who's had flashes, and Bryson Barnes, who's also had flashes. No Cam Rising, and uh, it's notably hurt their offense, and I really love the defense. They're a complete team with Rising at quarterback. I think they're the most complete team in the Pac-12. However, Rising is still not back, and that is concerning. I do put some stock in that, so... We'll see. We'll see with Cam Rising. I don't know. I don't know. I hope he comes back because Utah's a much better team for it and college football is a much better sport for it. But overall, I think they're decent. <clears throat> Let's do a few more here. We're nearing on an hour. It's been fun. We've got the live on TikTok popping off. You guys are all here on YouTube. Appreciate y'all. Um, here we go. We got HB626 who says, do you think Wyoming could win the Mountain West? The Mountain West is an interesting little conference because you've got Boise State who dropped a couple in the non-conference. You've got Fresno State who went undefeated in the non-conference. And I think both those teams are still just as good. You could end up seeing them in the Mountain West title game again, which I'm sure you're really used to out in the Mountain West. Uh, there's Air Force, who looks really solid. They just had an emphatic win at San Jose State. San Jose State was a team that I thought could be decent this year. They've gotten pummeled. They have three losses already. Um, so it's it's an interesting race. Wyoming is right in the thick of it with their win over Texas Tech to hang their hat on right now. They're still undefeated as well. They got a really impressive win over App State that I do uh, give a lot of credit for. So for Wyoming, I think I would lean them playing for the Mountain West title. I don't trust Air Force as much. Air Force usually crumbles when they play the contenders but destroy the bad teams. Um, and then Boise State is a is pretty flawed this year. So I think Fresno versus Wyoming could be a good bet for the Mountain West title game for now. Um, we've got a question from Loudon. We're probably only going to take about one or two more questions after this one uh, before ending the show, but I appreciate all you guys for being in here. Loudon says, early thoughts on the Dillingham era. And uh, I think some people came into this season – expecting a little bit too much out of Kenny Dillingham and thinking we could make a bowl game and win seven or eight games. And I think that was just a little too much. This team was never going to be doing anything like that in year one with what we had, especially after the bowl ban was announced to me, that took away any chance of a Cinderella crazy story. Um, it was always going to be around three or four wins, you know, pretty bad looking about how he did last year. But what I look for is, is the way he can manufacture talent and the way he can acquire talent, manufacture plays and the way he can acquire talent. So far he's shown he can acquire talent. The manufacturing plays part has looked pretty good too. He's a pretty young coach. He's learning the ropes. It's his first year. 
no coach in their first year as a head coach period is going to succeed like we've seen some of these other coaches succeed in their first year those coaches are all always experienced know exactly what they want to do and how they want to do it Kenny's still learning. He's still learning and he's got time to luckily there was no chance of us making a bowl game anyways this year. But uh, I think it's, I would give him a C plus based on how the season's gone so far. The ugly, ugly game versus Fresno state obviously is an eyesore, but we were never going to be winning this year anyways. And I like the bounce back versus USC. So let's take a couple more questions here. Um, we've got Byron Medina who says, do you think Notre Dame can make the playoffs? This is an important one uh, because Notre Dame just lost to Ohio State. And so they have a loss. And in my opinion, Notre Dame cannot lose for the rest of the season if they want any sort of playoff anything. They've got a road game at Duke this week. So how quickly can things fall going from being a top 10 team all the way up by what I, I believe was number nine to just you're out of the playoffs in two weeks. They can't take two losses this year. They don't have a conference title game to bank on which if you were in the SEC and Big Ten with two losses, maybe you could sneak into the playoff. Notre Dame can't do it. They can't afford a loss. And so they're going to have to win out. They have a game versus Duke. They have a game versus Louisville on the horizon. They have a game versus USC on the horizon. They have a game versus Clemson on the horizon. They have to win out. So it's always an elimination game for the rest of the season if you're an Irish fan. It's a little scary, but it's kind of the way you want it. Play with some urgency. The season is now uh, for Notre Dame, and I I think they can. There's a scenario where they win out, but it's going to be tough, and you're going to have to grit and grind and win some of those games like the one against Ohio State. you got to pull that one out. you got to find a way. They couldn't. they got to do it the rest of the way, basically. Let's get one more question in. Want to end on a goodie. Here we go. So Florida State beats your preseason champions at home and doesn't get your a bump in your rankings. Explain. So this is a good question to end on, I think. Framing it like Florida State beats your preseason champions at home is the incorrect way to frame that because the team they beat is not my preseason champions. We never saw my preseason champions take the field, referring to the Clemson Tigers. The moment they got on the field in that Duke game, it was a complete disaster offensively and defensively. They're decent, but offensively complete disaster, which is what I was banking on. So by no means is this a team that I give credit to. I mean, I still will give some credit because they're still a very talented team, but you're not going to get the same amount of credit as, oh, they were my preseason champion, you know? Clemson is nowhere near the championship picture. I'm not still drunk on Clemson. I have eyes. I see how bad it is and how bad the play calling is, just like the rest of you. Um, it's it's really bad. It's really bad. This team is not anywhere near championship caliber right now. And the play calling has just been terrible, which is so surprising with uh, Garrett Riley and just so not what I thought. And that's obvious that it's surprising to me. They I was very high on this team preseason. So No, they didn't beat my preseason champions at home. That's not the right way to phrase that. They beat a team that I was high on in the preseason. Am I high on them anymore? Obviously not. They're not even in my top 25. They're a team that has a lot of crap to figure out, obviously. Um, But yeah, Florida State doesn't get a bump. They're still at sixth. They've shown some flaws and some concerning things. I don't know how consistent they are away from their home stadium. Luckily, they're going to get a few more games back at home before they're tested again. But I just need to see more consistency on the road because last season that was a concern for them, and I it looks like it's a concern for them this year. This year they're getting wins, though, which that is a step in the right direction, winning even when you don't put out your best effort. But we just hit the hour mark, and that's about how long I wanted to go. Thank you guys for all the questions and comments. That is actually a really fun show. Maybe we'll do some more mailbags in the future because I had a lot of fun doing this one. Shout out to everyone that hopped into the YouTube chat and asked those questions. And to all of you, it looks like we got about 200 of you right now in the TikTok chat. In the future, when I'm doing one of these, that's why I've got in the trenches mailbag, drop your questions, YouTube link in the bio. I'm answering the ones in the YouTube, not necessarily in the TikTok. I'll save the beautiful TikTok time for you guys some other time. So don't worry about that. But I appreciate you guys all hopping in. We're trying StreamYard now instead of Riverside. Riverside sucked. There were those streaming issues, horrible nightmare stuff with Spawn Hour and uh, the other week. But 
uh, that does it for In the Trenches. The Wednesday show is just going to be me. No guest. It's going to be jam-packed. We're going to touch on a few of the things that happened last week. We're going to break down some of the great games we have in this upcoming slate. I'm going to make my predictions, and we're just going to talk some football, baby. It's going to be really fun, really exciting, and we're going to bring back the upset meter and do it again. We do that every week. Upset meter is honestly one of my favorite segments to do. It's just so fun. It's so exciting. So I appreciate all you guys uh, for sticking through in the chat. That does it for In the Trenches. Uh, hopefully I can get this car stuff figured out. I just ordered a part, so uh, we're going to be trying to assemble that on Wednesday when the part shows up. So hopefully that doesn't interfere with the streaming schedule like it did today. But as always, appreciate you guys for watching. Don't forget to follow CF Budge on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook if you're a crazy person, and all of the above and in the trenches on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, everywhere, anywhere you get podcasts. So appreciate you guys, and I will see you guys on Wednesday.